Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often this hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed, full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Jose Guerra, VP of Engineering at Simple Club. Simple Club is the most popular digital learning platform in Germany and is used by over 1 million students every month. Jose has a comprehensive technical background, having previously worked in software engineering for Evolve Space Solutions and later in QA for SponsorPay, where he became the head of QA and solution engineering. In our conversation, he touches on why QA engineers make for good engineering managers and equally why tradition means they're often overlooked. Jose shares with me his notion of spheres of freedom and how the concept helps him identify the right fit with an organisation, as well as how he timed one of his biggest career decisions to ensure he left his team at the summit rather than on an uphill climb. Has the way that you align your purpose and a company's purpose changed from the beginning of your career to now? At the beginning of my career, that hasn't been uh, always the, the, the purpose, the mission of a company that hasn't always been top of mind to me and that has changed. Um, so I would say that now I'm exactly at the point where <clears throat> working at a company like Simple Club, I've matched the two. I mean, my sort of ikigai uh, or where my vocation, my passion, and um, what's good to the world meet, sort of. Um, and, um, and that's because I believe now it's easy, right, to explain. Uh, so I'm in a place where um, the vision of the company is educating the world, is um, bringing a next generation of uh, for an education platform to personalize um, education for school students and vocational training. Um, and I can wake up every day wanting that in the hands of my nieces and nephews. I, I can relate to that um, and, and I can see the result of my work um, in an area that I really believe can change the world, which is education. Um, Previously, was that was not necessarily one of my priorities. Uh, my priorities were building my skills, um, working in environments that offered me path um, to develop myself um, and to um, just learn the ropes. Um, that was that's how it uh, evolved. Um, in between, the reality is that um, I've I've gone through. Uh, industries that also sort of on paper are doing the right thing, but maybe the direction the company is taking is not necessarily um, the one I agree with or the one I believe with. And so that also evolved, right? So it's not just about uh, 
the industry per se, um, but also about the approach, the specific mission and vision of the company. Um, so that's how it's been kind of growing and progressing. How would you define Ikigai? I, I wouldn't define it. I mean, uh, it just came to my mind because it's a term that I uh, recently uh, kind of learned about. Um, but so it would be mm. um, so a, a Japanese term for purpose and meaning of life, right? Uh, or meaning to life. Um, so my definition is, or the definition that I found is where you meet what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what is good to the world, what the world needs. Sort of the intersection of these four things is where um, I believe basically you're, you're happy. And if you're happy, you're at your highest uh, uh, level of uh, productivity, for example, right? So that's how I define it. Sounds like that was the, the kind of plan from the beginning, um, as it is for, for many of us, but that it came to you through layers. Like you said, you built up your skills and spent more time focused on that when you were earlier on in your career. And then that changed as you, as you progressed. Um, is that right? I would say so without it being necessarily planned. So um, it's, it's, and I met the exact crossroads of all of these aspects in my first experience. I would obviously have said, yes, right, who wouldn't? Um, but um, I've been obviously growing. I've been obviously, and that's been pretty much a part of who I am. I mean, this constant uh, seek for learning and for growth. Um, so my first priority was, um, getting in the working world, in the, in getting a, um, a set of skills, um, that I could build, that I could use later on for whichever area I felt was the most, um, appealing to me. Um, but so yes, without it being necessarily planned, that is exactly how it. Your career is really fascinating because your time at Fiber, you go from being the director of QA through to the director of engineering, then the senior director of engineering, and then the engineering leader at Freenow, and now obviously the VP of engineering at Simple Club. But you come to this leadership position through QA. Is that the standard approach? It's probably less standard than it could be, um, than it uh, maybe even should be. Uh, it is... Uh, a bit how I came to leadership in general has been asked of me um, and so an invitation for me to join and the transition from the world of QA and in fact not just QA but um, um, support engineering um, as well and, and teams of uh, business intelligence uh, before um, comes through a path or a path of um, building skills, building um, uh, knowledge, and then uh, being at, sort of at the right place at the right time and being invited to do uh, to lead the development team, uh, a development team where I um, 
could use my knowledge, could use my uh, uh, domain knowledge as well. That was very important at the time to um, then be able to transition into leading the engineering team as a whole. So the combination there was um, a an engineering team that um, was looking to improve quality. Me being a uh, a manager already, a leader of teams or already, um, having acquired um, a lot of domain specific knowledge, and that opened the door for me um, to actually play that role. And then from that point on, it just I just kept evolving. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by domain specific knowledge? So um, that is knowing the product you're working on very well. That is knowing the industry you work on um, very well. So um, an example, a very concrete example there would have been uh, we were developing a library, an SDK, to be used by um, uh, gaming companies, applications to uh, show advertisement. Um, through the years and through my experience through QA, I've basically seen the entire system. I, I had knowledge of the system as end-to-end. Um, given my engineering background, I could also understand somewhat in depth um, what was being done, how it was being done. Um, maybe because of my observing skills as well in my um, uh, uh, aptitude to uh, listen, to uh, understand um, what's being discussed on, on architecture discussions, on uh, technical design discussions, I've gained that knowledge that was end-to-end, right? And that's what I mean with that domain knowledge. So at some point there was, was when preparation met uh, timing, I guess. Um, and it made sense for me to to lead uh, the engineering team. Why don't more QA managers or directors of QA move into directorship positions or VP of engineering positions? It sounds, as you say, that it sounds like it makes total sense. So I think um, there has to be. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I never thought about it so, so deep. Um, but I do think there are different approaches to engineering leadership, right? And different needs in the engineering leadership. Um, and I think that's what's very important to identify. Um, it's um, you have very specific technical leadership, right? You have a your um, principal engineer, right, your system architect um, kind of role. And you have a team um, uh, building leadership, a um, organizational um, building leadership uh, where you make sure that information flows, that the processes are in place for people to be empowered to make decisions, that people are growing. Um, and um, I operate more on obviously on the second, right? So I have uh, been a developer for a, a short period of time. And I have known 
the ropes of, of, of developing, but I quickly became a lead. Whether that was a QA lead or not, for me, made less of a difference, right? Because I quickly became a person uh, that was managing um, other people. Um, so to your question, back to your question, I do think a background, a technical background, um, an understanding of uh, software development is important. Um, but often what happens is that there are there is a look specifically for a person who is um, who has been doing the job before to then start leading uh, people where if you just open your your mind and if you really look at okay what are the skills you need for this leadership role right now maybe it would happen that you would bring people from functions like QA to lead an engineering team. Um, mm. So I think it's, it's, it's really probably about when you look for the person leading a team, um, is your role very well defined? Um, and more often than not, it's probably easier to just continue what's always been done, right? That is mm. promoting a, a, a developer into a... Um, engineering team lead yeah it must have been quite the decision to leave fiber once you've accumulated all of that mm -hmm. domain knowledge um when did you know the right time was to move on and, and how did you go about that process so that was at the end of a a test to resilience if that makes sense um through a period that was super interesting for me to go through from a um, ma management point of view, change management point of view. Um, and I left at the point where um, I was rather comfortable, very comfortable. And having spent so long in the company or that long in the company, uh, the prospect for a significantly new challenge um, was not necessarily there. Um, I felt uh, my mission at that point was also uh, complete, and and so I was ready to to try out, and that's exactly how I how I left. The period was um, we had so this was a, a, a post layoff merger of teams kind of situation where I um, uh, so we had been sort of acquired um, and. Uh, I was again asked to uh, lead the global uh, mobile group, so merging teams um, from different culture backgrounds, from different working uh, um, or corporate backgrounds, if you want, um, and deliver an entire new product, so shifting complete direction of all of these organization. Um, and uh, I felt I couldn't leave also my my team with that problem to be solved. Um, so I took it as a challenge. And at the end of that year and a half, two year period when we were about to launch that product or we had just launched that project, uh, the product and um, the team was in a motivated mode, um, I felt, okay, this was the moment to, to 
look for something different in you. As you described that, it almost sounded like what you wanted to do was make sure that you kind of didn't leave the team on an uphill, but you wanted to almost try and get to the summit where you felt like the team was in a place where if you left it, it could it could then run downhill if it wanted to. So certainly that, that was a big part of it. Um, I felt we had uh, built a a pretty solid um, atmosphere, environment, a, a, a team that was happy um, and very productive. Um, and um, I felt it shouldn't, it wouldn't be the right point to left it at that, at that stage, for sure. Yeah. yeah. How, so what did you do next? After Fiber. Yeah, like how did you go about f- joining free now well my taxi at the time probably but my taxi had actually reached out to me and i had been uh, sort of secreting in love with the with the company um i was a user of the application i um, felt the mobility industry was quite an interesting interesting one um and i felt um a funny story there would was that at some point i was in my mind, magicking a, uh, a feature that Freenow could have, which were, was about sharing uh, a, a taxi, sharing a, a ride um, with somebody else. So reducing costs for the passengers and kind of being able to have a, a fair um, uh, price for the driver still. And shortly after, I saw the feature coming live uh, on my taxi and that's when I clicked with the company and said yes they are in the direction and that's exactly what I thought so here's a, a good purpose uh, company doing the things the way I could imagine them doing um, so I clicked with them um, the challenge that was proposed to me was um, also very interesting which was uh, about first of all a company of a already different size than um, then, uh, um, fiber. So we were talking about already hundreds of engineers opening a new tech hub um, and me joining um, to, to help building that tech hub in Berlin, uh, which I ended up doing then together with um, a colleague. And um, yeah, that's how it came to be. I. I was secretly in love with the with the company, and they happened to reach out to me uh, at the period where I was um, exactly at the period where, where I was um, um, happy to leave uh, Fiverr. Sounds like there were kind of two core bits there. One is your super fan love of the product, and being able to see them going in the direction that you wanted it to go. And then also the opportunity to build up a team at the same time. Um, if either one of those had not existed, do you think you still would have joined my taxi? Very hard to say now in hindsight. Um, mm. The reality is I, my plan was to take a break. And I ended up t- taking a break um, between... Um, uh, between jobs, right? So I, it was, it is a passion of mine to travel, and I decided I, um, I need to travel. So very likely, had that not been the case, that coincidence, 
I would have likely taken the time, um, travel, and then uh, decide what would I do next uh, or find what would I do next. Um, but that was just too appealing to let go uh, in a way. Uh, and so I ended up joining, agreeing a date where I would start and uh, taking still some time to travel um, and start with the job. But you're absolutely right. Um, that has been a very happy coincidence at the end. Um, yeah. What I was defining as that I was looking for at that point was um, starting a team. That was one option. Um, so starting a new team uh, in a larger organization. Um, uh, that was certainly something that was on my on my radar. Uh, the difference being that since I had taken over uh, teams um, and I obviously helped building them, um, the next interesting challenge for me would have been to uh, sort of build it if from scratch or almost from scratch, right? So uh, actually build the initial team. That was the mm -hmm. interesting factor to me. Yeah, um, what I did at Free Now was th there were two components to it. On one hand, I was leading the tribe, and there was delivering on um, on the tribe's goal, which was the, the whole pricing um, for Free Now. Um, but on the other hand, also uh, setting up the tech hub, right? So looking into how do we hire for the tech hub? Um, setting up, uh, setting up office, for example, um, in all the aspects that you need when you uh, set up a new a new tech hub. So there were two components to it. Um, that when I now went into the next stage, um, kind of help uh, help um, in this VP role. Um, but yes, certainly now it's about um, having seen a larger organization with hundreds of engineers as well, um, be able to take my learnings and design it um, for the next steps as I would love to see an organization uh, mm. operating and being built. Yeah. Mm. And at all levels basically you've managed to see it from a few different points of view at companies that are at different stages that have gone through mergers uh and where you're playing a different role in that organization's hierarchy and for so many of us like we're all different and we find our fit in different places our our ideal fit um has one of those positions or one of those phases been a better fit for you? I certainly felt um, that positions where I'm, I have freedom um, to make uh, um, decisions, to, to, uh, to build things, um, are the ones where I feel the best, um, where I can build... Um, just having a trust relationship with peers, with with ma with my management, 
um, mm -hmm. where I look for alignment, of course, but I have the freedom to make those decisions. That's where I am at my best. Um, so I think those would have been positions like now, <laughs> like, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, but also in the past. Um, so even managing through change, through merge, through the mergers, it's been important to, f to find my, um, kind of sphere of, of freedom to make my own decisions. And I've mm -hmm. always worked, um, and I've learned to work with, um, my management to find that space, uh, basically. So building a trust relationship where, um, obviously by delivering results, obviously by um, creating expectations or setting expectations very clearly um, and uh, having some level of alignment, uh, building my area of uh, where I can make, make the decisions. Um, and then, frankly, um, it's less depending on where in the hierarchy one is, I would say, but more about how out of comfort so how like how how much are you growing versus um how much um kind of freedom uh you you have to to to, to learn to to grow to to make decisions basically how do you know whether you're at the point in your career where you should be optimizing for your sphere of freedom or your kind of a, an intense learning period where you're getting a lot of input from others to develop those skills it almost seems like in some cases they're then they are they can't exist at the same time you you use that sphere of freedom to exercise those skills that you've learned probably not in a sphere of freedom but in close relationship with others like has there been a pattern to the way that you've balanced that i feel there will be moments in your career where you're going to have somebody you can just mentor you on something Right, and he's right, sitting right next to you, and moments in your career where you need to look for their mentorship um, in in peers, in your network, in um, your own learning, right? Um, and that's something that I do. Um, so whenever I feel myself in a new area, um, I have to look into um, what are the best sources for me to learn the to, to learn what i have to do um i'm an avid reader um so i usually have books next to me on the topics that i'm covering but um nothing replaces um doing having to go through the work right and having the confidence that you can go um through the work um and having people you can reach out to um for advice or for uh, nudges um, or even to just avoid pitfalls, that's always um, something good. And they might sit in your organization, um, but often they also sit outside, right? These are people that you've met along your um, career that uh, you learn to rely on for advice for specific areas um, and to exchange advice with, of course. It's a wonderful phrase, sphere of freedom. It reminds me of Warren Buffett's sphere of competence. And <laughs> uh, have you 
how have you known whether you're going into an environment that's going to give you a sphere of freedom? It can be so difficult to know from the outside um, when you're deciding to join Free Now or mm -hmm. deciding to join Simple Club. How have you made sure mm -hmm. that the the company that you're joining is going to give you that sphere of freedom? That's a very good question. Something that I definitely learn. Um, and also um, that, that is meet the people um, during the, during the um, interview process. Take the time to talk with the people you work uh, with. Um, uh, be prepared with the questions that are the most relevant to you on the day to day. Um, and, um, that's pretty much what I, what I've done. So joining simple club has been, um, almost a no surprise to me by the day I started because, um, I have learned to really understand during the interviews, I am also, um, uh, interviewing, right? I am also, um, understanding if um, the people are joining, the company I'm joining matches with what I am looking for. Um, and at the end of that uh, interview process, um, for me, it was a clear yes. I had exactly met people that I had aligned my values with, my principles with. Uh, we talked openly about how would I approach work um, and how would they see that? Um, so we pretty much made an exercise of setting expectations and aligning on principles of work during the interview process. That's what we did. Um, uh, and that would be something that um, uh, to a certain extent, uh, maybe the interview processes uh, nowadays are rushing up a little bit on. Um, and trying to get to, through the hiring process as fast as possible because there are offers, right? Uh, candidates are uh, having offers uh, rather quick uh, from different um, companies. Um, but both for the company and for the candidate, meeting the people we, with whom they will work um, in a context of an exercise to be solved or just in a relaxed conversation, feels to me super important. Are there any non-verbal or subtle cues that can give you a sense? What, what are you looking out for in those conversations? I'm looking to understand people's values and, and, and um, how they work. What are their principles? Um, um, so those would be sort of what I'm looking for, the cues I'm looking for. Um, more concretely, I would ask on the day-to-day -day how would things look like, right? So um, I might bring um, an example of a situation and just ask how would we handle a situation like this uh, if we were to face it? Um, what do you expect uh, of me in this and that and that uh, topic or area. Um, how do we expect us to work together? Um, 
And that's similar to an exercise that I do with everybody on their first day of, of work. Um, and uh, that I tend to do with everybody I work with is a sort of expectation exercise. So what would you expect from me? What I would expect from you? Um, what I would not expect from you and what you should not expect from me. And through that, trying to get to an alignment on how will we work together. Um, and then you need to look for consistency, right? Uh, through the conversations that you have um, and understanding whether um, you're really speaking to the true nature of the work of how things will actually happen um, or not. And that's, uh, I guess, as with any interview, <laughs> your intuition also, your gut feeling telling you. Alignment itself requires your ability to be able to understand the other party. And it also requires an ability to understand yourself and what values you feel are most important. Are those... How have you gone about understanding your own values? So some of them were very clear from a, an early age, I would say, to me. Um, uh, values like uh, the will for freedom of decision, uh, independence of, of, of thought. Um, those were um, values that to me were pretty clear from a young age. Um, wanting to build my own path. Um, those were uh, very, very pretty much there. Um, then there were others that I've learned through interactions, um, through also putting them to the test. Um, so in moments where um, you are, you have to decide, are you okay with the situation um, at work? Um, say a decision that is being made that you don't agree with, for example, or a decision or, 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 or that you uh, uh, agree with, but especially in a situation where you don't agree with, um, you learn to ask yourself, is this a principle? Is this against my values? Or is this a challenge, yet another challenge that is presenting itself to me? Um, and through that, I think I've learned what my true values um, also are. And there have been moments where um, they were broken. <laughs> and at that point, uh, I, I, I felt, okay, this is a true value for me. Um, and there were other moments where I just, it felt uh, not the right thing to do, but my principles, my values were intact. So that's how I kind like of a, learned about it. Like a stress test. Um, sort of, and not that I wait for them to define my values, but that, that has definitely helped um, uh, finding what are the true ones, right? What are the ones that really make you kick um, that you really live by. Thanks so much for sharing how you've navigated those values over the course of your career. Um, I've loved it. Sure. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Ben. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. The Best Work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. 
email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.